This is episode number 175, and it's number three in part of a 10-part series talking all about consumer trends. Now, as we talked about last week, right, at this moment, Generation Z has nearly $360 billion in discretionary income. That's an incredible amount of buying power. That means students and young professionals have nearly twice as much buying power as the boomer generation. Think about that for a second. And this is the generation that grew up with a phone in their hands. So what does that mean for uh, our economy? What does that mean for you? What does that mean for your restaurant? Stick around to find out. There's an old saying goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast for anyone who's looking. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close, and this is Restaurant Strategy, a weekly podcast dedicated entirely to the hospitality industry. Each week, I leverage my 20-plus years in the industry to help you build a more profitable and a more sustainable business. I also work directly with operators all over the world through my group coaching programs to address and overcome the specific challenges we face in our industry. Curious to learn more? Set up a free 45-minute strategy session at restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash schedule. I mean it. Let me show you how simple it can be to run a profitable restaurant. Again, go to restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash schedule. As always, you will find that link in the show notes. Now, thousands of restaurants across the country use Kickfin to send instant cashless tip payouts directly to their employees' bank accounts the second their shift ends. It's a really simple solution to a really big problem. Because let's face it, paying out cash tips to your workers day after day, shift after shift, is kind of a nightmare. Tedious tip distribution takes managers away from work that matters. It's hard to track payments, which leads to accounting and compliance headaches. Plus, Cash tip-outs create the perfect opportunity for theft, and there's never enough cash on hand, right, seemingly to pay out those tips. So managers are what? They're constantly making bank runs. Bottom line, there's never been a secure, efficient way to tip out your employees until now. Meet Kickfin. Kickfin is an easy-to-use software that sends real-time cashless tip payouts straight to your employees' bank accounts 24-7, 365 days a year. Tipping out with Kickfin gives managers and operators hours back in their day. It makes reporting a breeze and protects your business from mistakes and theft. And guess what? Employees love it, so it is one of the best recruiting tools out there. Best of all, Restaurants can have Kickfin up and running overnight. Employees can enroll in seconds. No hardware, no contracts, no setup fees. Get in touch today for a personalized demo and see how restaurants and bars across the country are tipping out with Kickfin. Visit kickfin.com slash demo. Of course, this link is also in the show notes. Now, as I mentioned in the opening, we are spending 10 episodes in a row all summer long to talk about consumer trends, right? The world is changing. The pandemic fundamentally shifted our world, shifted the way the world operates, and so it naturally will shift the way we operate 
in the world. It will shift the way that we engage with our customers, the way we nurture those customers, the way we serve those customers. I read a lot of market research. I read a lot of articles. I read a ton of books. And, and what I've done is compiled what I think are the 10 biggest consumer trends out there that are going to affect the restaurant industry, right? There, there are many, many more, and I could do this for I could do this for months and months, but I've just picked the biggest 10. And so we're going through in a systematic way, one by one by one, so we can really get into it. Talk about what it is, talk about what we're seeing, talk about what the data says, and then to specifically talk about how we can uh, put together a plan for combating this trend or, or, for, or for using it as an opportunity, right? So in the, the first episode of this 10-episode arc, and again, this is the third episode, in the very first episode, we talked about the move toward convenience, right? That I said convenience is becoming more and more important to diners as evidenced by the rise of third-party delivery apps, as evidenced by the, uh, by the way that consumers will spend more for takeout and delivery than they will in person, and they will uh, deal with a what is normally a substandard product, right? When, when things have to sit in the back of a car for 25 minutes as it gets to you, they will deal with that and pay extra for that simply out of convenience. They need convenience. We all appreciate convenience in our uh, increasingly more hectic world. So that's the first thing we talked about, right? Then last week, we talked about this move toward experiences. And I was talking about how these newer generations, millennials and Gen Z, uh, have shown over and over and over again, and the data shows that they are, uh, that they are more interested in experiences than stuff, right? That they are uh, they're changing jobs more frequently than any generation before them. Uh, they are renting at a greater rate than they are owning, certainly renting at a greater rate than uh, the generations before them. And they're collecting experiences instead of stuff. They've got less space because they want flexibility. There's a lot of things they want, but one of those things is that need for flexibility, is that low overhead, the ability to do whatever they want, whenever they want and change on a dime. And we'll get to more of that in the coming weeks because that's a trend on its own. But already we talked about the move towards convenience, talked about the move towards experiences, right? This experience economy. And today, I want to talk all about the digital revolution. And again, we're going to start by focusing on Gen Z because Gen Z now has an incredible amount of uh, discretionary income, right? It's a, it's a lot of buying power, more so than even the boomers. And this is the generation that grew up with phones in their hands. They saw their parents with the phones in their hands all the time. They, get, or they got phones at a very young age, right? And let's be honest, everything these days is digital. Now, I often laugh when people want to talk to me about digital marketing as opposed to, quote, unquote, regular marketing. And, and, and I'm like, uh, digital marketing is regular marketing. It's all digital because it's all part of the same thing. It's all part of marketing, right? Think about it this way. We want to be where the people are, right? Right now, they are on digital. They're watching streaming services. They're on their computers. They are on their phones. They are on social apps. That's where they are. They are on the Internet. And that's been the case for the last, let's say, 10 years conservatively, 10 years at least. The thing now is that as smartphones get more sophisticated, people can now make purchases more easily right there on their phones. And that wasn't the case even just five years ago. We knew because the data showed us that people were introduced to brands on mobile. They researched brands on mobile, but would very rarely follow through with the sale. They wouldn't close the deal on mobile. They would go to 
they would go to a desktop. And so all of our close the deal marketing, our close the deal advertising uh, was pushed towards traditional desktop uh, placements. But now that's not the case uh, in, in large part to things like Apple Pay and Amazon and you know all of that. Everything's integrated. The card is just saved on there. So one touch ordering and the sale goes through. So now, again, the big change just in the last couple of years is that people are discovering brands on mobile. They are researching the brands on mobile and they are purchasing from those brands on mobile. And that represents an enormous shift. And now we've got a generation coming of age, getting jobs, coming into the workforce who is used to that, who is used to buying things at the at the snap of a finger, right? Because it's all there at the, at the tips of their fingers, right? Digital is now responsible for so much of the customer journey, right? It's also a big part of retaining customers. We know this through, uh, you know, through uh, uh, you know, order and pay, and through loyalty programs, right? So not only attracting customers and closing the deal, but then also retaining those customers, remarketing to those customers, driving repeat purchases, right? And especially now for us in restaurants, right? It, it actually functions as a part of the steps of service, right? Think about how we have uh, asked people to uh, to peruse the menu on their phones via QR codes. Now, the way that we're asking them to order their food via QR codes from their phones, we're asking them to pay via their phones. The, the phones are becoming an integral part of the actual experience they have in our restaurants. And that, again, is a huge fundamental shift with the way that we've been operating for the last several hundred years. Now, I wanna take a step back and I want to talk about customer journey. Because customer journey isn't something we often think about in the restaurant industry. E-commerce thinks about this a whole lot. Um, the rest of the hospitality industry, particularly hotels, spends a lot of time thinking about, you know, how did the, the consumer discover us? Where did they go to learn more about us? And what eventually led them to book with us, right? It's all about that, how they came into our net. Right? And then, uh, and then you know, um, nurturing that sale, romancing the sale, they call it in hospitality, in the hotel business. From the minute they book their stay all the way up until, that, until they arrive, there's a whole nurture sequence that really great hotels will send out about the amenities, right? About the spa, the pool, the, you know, let us book you tea times, let us make you dinner reservations, let us book you excursions, right? It's all about getting people excited for the trip, right? That's a customer journey. And in restaurants, we don't do that very much. We've been really bad at tracking that, at really understanding how people come to us, how people uh, become tangled in our net, so to speak. And then especially what happens Afterwards, again, this is one key area where hotels really excel. Certainly, they're doing this better than we are. To talk about customer journey, we have to start talking about the uh, the AIDA model. A I D A. It's also called the AIDA model, right? This is a an old marketing term. A I D A stands for awareness, interest, desire, and action. That's a funnel, right? We put an entire population in at the top, and we try to raise awareness, right? A bunch of people are going to spill out. Only a, a certain percentage of people are going to become aware of us, aware of our billboard, aware of our social ad, aware of our whatever it is, right? Of the people that become aware of us, some of them will slip out. They'll learn about us. They won't be interested in us, and they'll spill out of the funnel. But then the people who are interested move from awareness to interest, right? So they become curious about us. They go to learn more. As it goes down to desire, right? So they're aware of us. They're interested. They're curious to learn more. Again, some people will spill out. Once they learn more, they'll say, nah, not for me. 
other people will then love it, have desire for it, and eventually that leads to action. So it's a, it's a simple funnel where you put a lot of people in at the top to get a little bit of people coming out at the bottom. That's how pretty much all marketing work. It's pretty much how all sales work, right? So in order to talk about customer journey, which is what we need to talk about in order to talk about uh, digital marketing, we have to begin to understand this ADA model, right? A-I-D-A, awareness, interest, desire, and action. Now that journey can happen very quickly, but often it takes a long time. So what do we mean by that? Let's talk about when it might take a very short amount of time. It might happen very quickly if you're in um, uh, a new city, you don't know where you are, you leave the hotel, you're really hungry, you gotta get food before you go to a show, let's say. And so you look at the places nearby, you walk down the street, you look at the menus, you look into the restaurants, and you pick one, right? So you're in a strange city, you are aware of nothing on this block. So you look around, either uh, in Yelp or Google or just with your own eyeballs, and you see what's around. And then you become aware of, let's say, five restaurants. And then you go and look at the menus for a bunch of those restaurants, and you are either interested or not. You desire that food or you're not. You look in and see the energy, the atmosphere. You talk to the, the hostess, and all of that helps you make a decision, right? So in this instance, you go from awareness to interest to desire to action, meaning you decide to sit down and eat at one of those restaurants. That happens very, very quickly. That is the exception to the rule. That is very rare. For the most part, people move through those four phases very, very slowly. That we have to you know, raise awareness, and that takes a while for people to, you know, they talk about brand recall you know, in big um, you know, marketing divisions. You know, it takes a while to really make an impression on someone so that they remember you, that they'll recall you at the times when it really matters. So uh, raising awareness for the brand in the eyes of the consumer takes time, right? Um, getting them to show interest so that they become curious and do more research, that takes time too. That doesn't happen overnight. That takes a certain amount of, um, a certain amount of activity, right? And then for them to get to desire and then eventually action, again, all of that takes time. Digital marketing, the beauty of digital marketing is that it can be measured, it can be tracked. We can remarket to people and, and uh, target people uh, with greater specificity than ever before. So we know who found us and then clicked over through our website. You know, we can, we can put a, a pixel on our website so that we can track visitors, so that we can then show them ads back on Google, show them ads back, back on Facebook or Instagram. So. And, and here's, the, here's the cool part, is that now our people have come to, um, have come to really appreciate that, right? I, I know I've, I appreciate that. I would rather see ads for companies that I like, that I'm uh, apt to buy from, more than uh, you know, brands and companies that I have, no, uh, I have no interest, I have no interest in, right? So when we talk about digital, the power of digital is that that's where the people are. The other power of digital is that it can be tracked, it can be measured. We can remarket and target with greater specificity than ever before. So when we talk about marketing, we can't talk about marketing and not talk about digital. And we can't talk about digital as though it's something separate from the quote unquote regular marketing we do. It's all the same thing. Digital is just a new tool that's available to us, right? So when we talk about that ADA model, it's possible that each and every one of those steps, again, is happening very quickly, but it's also possible that it's happening right there on someone's phone and again that's a profound shift so now why 
Well, that, to answer that, we've got to get into the difference between brand marketing and direct marketing, okay? Stick around and I'll explain the difference and we'll go through some very specific, tangible things you can do right after a word from another one of our sponsors. Pop Menu has reimagined the restaurant. They're breaking the mold of the menu, taking the kitchen doors off the hinges and serving up their most comprehensive technology solution yet. It's called Pop Menu Max. It comes with all the previous ingredients you've heard me mention on the podcast, websites designed with SEO, marketing tools to keep you top of mind with guests, and of course, the patented interactive menu technology. But this new recipe brings automated phone answering, third-party online order aggregation, wait listing, and more to the table. If you've listened to the couple of interviews we've done with the founders of PopMenu, you know these tools are good. PopMenu's phone answering technology, again, remember we demoed that just a couple of episodes ago, that phone answering technology has your ringing phones covered. With artificial intelligence, the simple questions that keep your phone line tied up can now be handled uh, by, by the computer, basically, without pulling a, a staff member from your in-person hospitality. So no more missed reservations, no more busy phone lines, no more people asking for hours or, or missing revenue from orders. And that's just the beginning. You have a passion for food, Pop Menu has a passion for technology. Together, it's a recipe for restaurant success. Now, even more digital ingredients are in their technology pantry and Pop Menu is helping restaurants attract, engage, remarket, and transact with their guests on a whole new level. Trust me, if you are a restaurant owner, you need Pop Menu to take your business to the next level. For a limited time only, get $100 off your first month, plus you get to lock in one flat, unchanging monthly rate. Go to popmenu.com slash restaurant strategy to claim this offer. Again, that's $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash restaurant strategy. As with all of the links, you will find them in the show notes. Now, we're going to talk about uh, what it means for you that the world is going digital. Uh, of course, there's uh, something obvious about that. We know that. You know, we're on our computers, we're on our phones all the time. You are both consumer and merchant. But in order to go to the next level, uh, we've got to talk about brand marketing and direct marketing, right? So there's a difference. And let me see if I can explain this as clearly as possible. So brand marketing, best way to describe this is those commercials from the 80s and 90s, right? So um, Dove would uh, place an ad uh, at a key time, right? Somewhere in prime time and would show their products. Right, would show a mother with a baby with soap or shampoo or whatever it is. It, it was it was about trying to make an impression on the consumer. It was an ad, right, a, a TV commercial, but there was no way back in the 80s and 90s for them to elicit an immediate, immediate action, right? It wasn't like somebody was gonna sit there, watch the commercial, be so moved by the commercial, jump up, run to the supermarket and get Dove soap. They weren't going to do it. But what you did or what the company did or what they tried to do was make an impression on the consumer, enough so that when Saturday rolled around and it was time to go do the, uh, the grocery shopping at the local supermarket and you're going through the shampoo aisle or the soap aisle, you'd go, oh yes, that's right, Dove. That Dove would have made an impression somehow. That's what we call brand marketing, right? We're, we're marketing the brand. We're trying to, uh, uh, you know, trying to show uh, you know, good thoughts, uh, goodwill towards the brand trying to embed that into the minds of the consumer, 
right? Same thing with a car commercial. Same thing with, you know, uh, McDonald's when they show an ad. Very rarely are they trying to make you so hungry. You're sitting there watching TV. You're like, I don't even care what happens in the rest of the show. I don't need to know. I just need to get up and go have McDonald's right now. That's not how it works. Right? What they were trying to do is make an impression on you so that when it came time uh, for you to make a decision, when it was uh, your decision-making time, you would think of that brand. And that's one thing. And that is what uh, the majority of, let's say, TV commercials were for a very, very long time. And it was almost impossible to measure. Um, they worked, but we didn't know how well they worked or which ones worked or, or why exactly they were working. Right, and it was uh, it was just equated like if you spend enough money on it, you would see a return, but you weren't necessarily saying, "Hey, I spent uh, ten thousand dollars on this ad, and that generated uh, fifty five thousand dollars of uh, revenue." It was impossible to track in that way. So then we go to the other side, which is direct marketing, and again, let's go back to the eighties and nineties. Let's think of uh, infomercials. Infomercials are very, very clearly trying to get you to do something right then and there. They are showing you a product, let's say. They're showing you what it can do. They're making the deal worth you picking up the phone and calling, right? Call now and we'll also throw in. They're trying to get you a specific call to action. Pick up the phone and call. They're trying to get you to make uh, the order, to, to, to close that sale while the infomercial is still going on. As soon as the infomercial is done, they know they've pretty much lost you. You're gonna, you're gonna wander somewhere else. But if they can get you to pick up the phone during that infomercial, then they will have succeeded. So brand marketing, they're trying to make an impression on you so that when it comes to at a later point, when you have to make a decision, um, the brand resonates with you. And then direct marketing is the opposite. They're trying to make a direct plea to get you to do something there. So what does all that mean? Well, what's interesting now as the world has gone digital is that the lines have gotten blurred. We can show, I mean, on, on a social media, right? just an organic post that a brand might post, right? It's just a, you know, it's a, it's a food shot, right? Or it's a, you know, it's a picture of a car or whatever it is that they're trying to sell. But now we can embed links, we can tag, we can, we can put a call to action there that if somebody is so, um, is so inspired, they can go take action. So now the lines are being blurred between brand marketing and direct marketing. And that's both good and bad, right? Again, the world has gone digital. Okay, so what? What are we supposed to do about it? First of all, we have to acknowledge it. Second of all, we have to embrace it, right? Third of all, we have to think of this in terms of that old cliche, location, location, location. Put this in terms of real estate, right? You rent uh, a great corner location because it gets foot traffic. That's what they mean by location, right? Well, the same principle applies when we talk about uh, any other thing, right? Any form of advertising, especially digital. You need to be where the people are. You need to put yourself where you can be seen, right? We know this. You have to create a situation where you can begin building relationships with those who will love what you do. And then you have to nurture those relations, uh, those relationships by serving your audience. And guess what? So much of that can now be done digitally. So again, back to this idea of brand marketing and direct marketing. You need a mix between the two, right? If you're raising awareness for the brand, just trying to introduce your brand to a cold audience, meaning to people who don't know you, you can't expect them to see you be so moved, be so overwhelmed to then run out and go buy your product, to run out and go book your reservation. 
So don't try to sell to them at that point. And this is the danger, right? This is the danger when we post on Instagram, right? We're always trying to sell and sell and sell and sell. But some of those tools simply have to be used as a way to get people interested, right? To raise awareness, to build interest and curiosity so that they will eventually take action. The beauty and the challenge of digital is that you can easily do both at the same time. And what we need to start doing is get more specific with our efforts, right? What are we trying to do at any one given point in time? What are we trying to do with any one single piece of content? So again, the beauty part is that we can do it. We can drive a sale whenever we want. The challenge is that we may not always be doing that. We shouldn't always be trying to push a sale. Sometimes simply getting people interested, just getting people to uh, you know, come over to check out what you have, to come look, to, to research more, to learn more, to slowly warm up that audience. Sometimes that's all that's required. And guess what? We all do it. If you start smelling like a salesy pitch, you'll walk away. It's the same thing if you're at a Costco, people are trying to sell you. If you're at the mall, if you are uh, if you get somebody on the phone, somebody calls you on the phone trying to sell you something, you can feel when they're trying to sell you something. Sometimes it's just about building trust, building excitement for the brand. So when everything or when so much can be done digitally, when digital is really the foundation of, of, of who we are and what we do because we all have our phones in our hand, it becomes even more important to get clear with what you're doing and when and why you're doing certain things, right? Remember, digital is convenient. Digital is omnipresent because again, we've got our phones in our hands all the time, but there is a danger there. There is overlap. And I'm gonna ask you to separate those ever so slightly to be more deliberate. And most people started using uh, Instagram, right? Most operators or small business owners started using Instagram and didn't realize that there was brand marketing, direct marketing, didn't know that there was a difference, didn't know that there are, you know, different times call for different uh, solutions, right? Just like if you're trying to, you know, put a hammer in the in the wall, um, your best tool is going to be a ha- you know, going to be a hammer, not a not a screwdriver. If you want to pull something out of the wall, you know, pliers or the back of a hammer is going to be best, not a screwdriver. It's not going to it's not going to it's not the right tool for the job. So when we get into this digital stuff, we got to know there are different tools for different jobs. Listen. I run a couple of group coaching programs and we talk about things like this all the time. We talk specifically about the implementation side of things, right? So what I'm doing now is I'm just getting you to see it. I'm getting you to understand. Uh, if you want to uh, to learn more, if you want uh, help doing the implementation, then uh, I urge you to pick up the phone, uh, to pick up your phone and to email me. Go schedule a call. You can email me directly, chip at chipclose.com or the easiest way is to go to Restaurant Strategy Podcast dot com slash schedule grab some time on my calendar so we can chat we can talk about this when you talk about an implementation strategy when we talk about consumer trends and and the changing world post pandemic we have to understand that the digital revolution is here that again to recap what we said earlier that gen z now has an incredible amount of buying power almost twice as much as the boomer generation and they were born with phones in their hands. They're, they saw their parents with them, they got them at a young age, they do everything on those things. They expect the brands to relate to them in that way, but they will sniff out sales pitches quicker 
then you can even uh, then you can even uh, ask what you wanted to ask. They'll 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 see it a mile a mile away. They'll see it coming. So, the digital revolution is here, but there's great responsibility required. You've got to know what you're doing. You've got to be deliberate with what you're doing. Again, if you need help with the implementation, I urge you to uh, hop on a call with me. It's totally free, 45 minutes. Uh, and even if you don't, uh, if, even if you decide not to move forward with coaching, it's totally fine. We will have learned more about each other. You will leave that call with some real tangible information, and you may just be surprised to to understand, to learn more about what we do, and see exactly how. Uh, the program can help you. Again, go to restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash schedule. Um, grab some time in my calendar for a free 45-minute call. I look forward to it. I love connecting with so many of the listeners in this way. Again, I appreciate you being here. Big thanks to all of our sponsors. This is episode three out of a 10-episode arc talking all about consumer trends. Hope you guys are getting a lot out of it. Come back next week because we're going to talk about something that uh, that we all know is happening. It's called the death of the nine-to-five. I will, uh, I will see you soon. 